This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Good morning. Wake everyone up. Um, is there any way we can ask some of the students to move up a little bit? You don't have to, but it's always nice to see... Uh, they sit in the cheap seats. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to sit, sit in the cheap seats. Um, I'm really excited about this uh, conference we're having today. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, but a very timely topic. And uh, as you can tell, our guests are, are really... Uh, they're the people who are in the news, who are making the news, and who really know the situation in the Middle East. Um, we're going to have uh, Brian introduce each one of them individually. But before we'd like to begin, we have a special introduction and, uh, of a man who doesn't need it. Good morning. Wake everyone up. Thank you. And I have all the things. It's always nice. I'm really excited about the uh, conference, but I think this conversation will be a treat for itself. It's an interesting topic, a very tiny dealing with many issues. As you can tell, our guests are really religions. They're the people who are in the news, who are making the news, and you really know the situation in the Middle East. Um, we're going to have uh, Brian introduce each one of them individually. But before we'd like to begin, we have a special introduction and how it is uh, as a man who doesn't need any knowledge and experience. Father Peter Dishon. Thank you. And thank you all for being here this morning. I, I said to students as I was coming in, and we are on offense over here today. But I think this conversation will be a treat in itself because far more Middle East have been dealing with we welcome you to Villanova today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your ideas of the Christian religion solutions, your serious experience with addressing some of the issues you probably know the Pope and the Patriarchs who come together as I think it's brothers and sisters and recognize all and they will be discussing the issue of peace and how it is that we as a Christian community from all our different experiences have a wonderful day. I'm sorry I can't stay together to bring up uh, some other peaceful sense of peace into a world. Thank you very much. Not only in the this is really exciting. We're, this is the beginning of a research project that is being conducted by three different organizations. Center for Arab Islamic Studies of Villanova. We welcome you to one of them. Today. Thank the other you. one is the Center for American Drama, sharing your ideas, uh, your progressives, uh, your uh, experience in uh, addressing some of the best issues. Best way to identify it in Washington was to come in the Arab American Institute, which is the ancestor of Arab American organization. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Brian Katulis. Brian is a senior research fellow at the Center for American Progress. Wonderful day. And sorry, I more importantly, I have a little note of grad. Uh, graduated here in 1994. Thank you very much. This is really exciting. This is the beginning of the year long. Almost everyone here has a bone of connection. Dr. Desham, three days. You're going to mention the bone of Center for Arab Islam. Brian, great. Thank you. Thanks, Marwan. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be back here at the 
University, as Marwan mentioned, is progressive, I believe it, but I graduated from this place. And for those of you who have students in the back here, you want your extra credit for your class. Um, uh, I came to Villanova from a small town in central Pennsylvania and knew nothing about the world. And what uh, people like Father Ellis and, and Lesh and all of the professors that are here established and really helped launch what I do every day. I wouldn't be doing what I, I'm doing right now, uh, which is research on the Middle East and broader foreign policy, if it weren't for this institution. I try to come back as much as possible. That's why today that we're co-sponsoring this event as well as a panel that we did yesterday in Washington, D.C., which, for those of you who are interested, you can find our website. Thank you. Thanks, Roberts. And it's a good For those of you who are interested, if you have an interest, if you're here, not only just for the extra credit, if you have a spark in this place, and we'll know that those are your place for helping students want to students like to get extra credit. No short time. Quickly, you'll be out. And you'll find I came to Villanova from a small town, I think, Central Pennsylvania. You knew about him in the Dutch world. And I'm part of that. Welcome to my father else. And I'm a card and slash student. And all the professors are here if you want to come establish this and really help launch a think tank that seeks to affect U.S. policy on multiple right now. Research on all at least I work on national security. If it weren't for this, uh, we lean a little bit more centralized. But those sponsors did not have as well as a panel that we did yesterday, which is in Washington, D.C., which and for those of you who are interested to use, so on our website. And we, you know, we have some of our papers out back. And then for those of you who just as a note, if you have an interest, I'm really serious about your credit. You can't spark the very good work. Little note is a great place for help try to link it to no short time, really quickly. And you'll find the support network and the community policy. I think that our main objective today with this first panel, which I'll part of in a second, welcome in, is to talk about the present day challenges of facing the and to analyze those challenges in the context of a think tank that seeks to affect U.S. policy on multi-ongoing conflicts out here. Whether it be in Syria, I work on national security. So we're trying to analyze those challenges, but it doesn't matter as much on issues like the second objective policy these days, which we hope to get to in the discussion, is to propose ideas about what actors we have. You know, we have some of our identifiers about U.S. policy or what the focus of our institution can really give ourselves as a directive. The very good work that's done in pluralism to try more broadly link it in U.S. policy. This is something I'm personally passionate about. Of how do we actually do take policy? Those, our main objective uh, today, with this first panel, which I'll introduce in a second, values of, is to talk about the present day challenges facing and try to apply it in the current context and to uh, analyze those through the lens of the context policy, whether the Arab uprising policy, political transition, or ongoing conflict, many non governmental organizations, whether it be in Syria and Iraq, or resolve conflict. So I'm trying to know better analyze a set of those challenges. Analysts on this first set of questions, the second panel, the second objective is very distinct. Which we hope to get to in the discussion of these forward to ideas, learning uh, about what actors in the region can do in the second panel. Uh, and then uh, uh, things on the first panel, I'll do it in the order of speaking. The uh, first is Ramakori uh, Dibbs, currently uh, I've teaching at Princeton University, based in pluralism. Rami doesn't know me in U.S. foreign policy, and this is something I'm personally passionate through. Is right? How do we actually take Fulbright those issues related to our values? And by the way, these are the values of the pluralism and inclusivity, and try to apply these different contexts broadly, so at least where the region's going. 
what U.S. policy should be, whether U.S. government policy is specifically important or work that many non-governmental organizations do. And I've heard a little bit about that. We're honored to have you here. The second panel has no better friend, set of analysts on first graduated a few years before I did. Very little in the university, and it turns with Al-Tabia, on television, he often calls me the second panel. Come on and debate. On the first panel, I'll do it in the order of speaking. First is Ishaq. You'll hear from Ishaq teaching on this topic, on the issue of change in the shape of roots. Rami doesn't know me that well, but I know him very well. I think him very well through his writings and my process of social demographic for political and tribal beliefs. You're the editor of the Times, and specifically. You're very honest, and again, I'll broaden those of you interested in checking out what's going, discussion what you policy should do or shouldn't it have a lot of specific topics. And then finally, last but not least, Jim Zogbeek, who wears many hats, but most importantly, the second panelist, the head of the Arab American Institute, I've known Jim Marwan mentioned a few years ago. We first met on the first Palestinian election at Shams with Al in 1996. You'll hear from Ishan, knows a lot of views on this topic, but on the issue of change, polling, and we've worked collaboratively, we all know, on issues of what I think of change in the early phase to try and understand complicated change. So this is a general roadmap graphic. We've got political change, which affects about a little under a specific document, but we're really honored, and again, I'll teach a class. We're going to give each of the speakers about 10 minutes to introduce the topic. And then finally, last but not least, is Jim Zogby, about the situation. Where many hats, but most importantly in this context, ahead of the Arab American We'll have a bit of a discussion, Jim, for about 10, 20 years up here. I think we first met on the first Palestinian election, the points that you'd like back in 1996, as much as possible, to make this work both this panel and the second panel for the afternoon. So as the speakers are saying something, I said, Jim, no voice a lot about this question and answers. It's the only way what we're trying to do, as Marlon mentioned, on issues is, I've looked at this as more of a training conference going on. We didn't ask so to come this is the general uh, roadmap that this is. Start that process that will inform mostly quality of research that we have in the ground topic early, but we hope to come back for a year to class much more structured. We're going to give each of the speakers about what we learned in the last year. And I think what we're doing here is trying to discuss our intelligence and attention down to this very complicated understand what people who have been working in this for years. And we'll have a bit of a discussion and understand with those who are about 10 to 15 minutes up here. Here's the policy debate. Think of your questions. Think of, so, without saying you'd like to remind the as much as possible, I'd like to make this sure. dialogue, uh, both this panel and, and the second panel. Thank you very much. Uh, so, as the speakers are saying something you disagree with, voice uh, in the question and answers. Uh, it's the only way, what we're trying to do, as Marwan mentioned, is uh, I've looked at this as more of a framing conference. We, we didn't ask the people to come with papers. So, in 10 minutes, I'll start make a couple of basic points. Most of the qualitative research reflect what I see we should come back in a year and have much more structure here what we learned in the last year. And I think what we're doing here is trying to dip our toe as an institution into this very complicated topic. I've seen happening when people have been working on this for years. Uh, are thinking about and, and understand what those who shape the media debate uh, and the policy debate are thinking about on this topic. So without further ado, uh, Rami, the floor is yours. 
competitors you. that sure. uh, we can choose from, as, as is the case <coughs> most people in the Thank you very much, uh, Brian. Thank you. Multiple identities. Online for all your um, I would say, first of all, that broadly speaking, uh, clearly there is uh, stress in the Christian communities all across the region. Higher rates of So in 10 minutes, I'll make a couple of threats. Basic points that relative size reflect what I see as a Christian population living in the Middle East and declining in most places. And I think it's important to understand the reasons for that. One of them clearly, and this is happening in the Middle East. I lived in Jordan for 30 years, as I've been there now for 10 years, 11 times. In the 1970s, many not many, but some Christian friends of ours were leaving Jordan and immigrating entities, usually to Canada, Australia, the U.S., somewhere. Um, so this isn't a recent yeah, phenomenon. This has been going on for about two generations. generations. Um, um, I would say, the main of all, that uh, broadly speaking, of this process uh, of clearly the there is relative stress in the, the uh, Christian populations of all across the, the region. Populations, uh, uh, higher uh, rates of immigration, three basic uh, factors: lower birth rates, economics, uh, therefore the relative size of the Christian community, make a decent to the rest of the population in the world. Uh, have declining in, in most places. Kids in the future. Um, and I think it's uh, important the second one is uh, uh, the reasons, uh, the political stresses. Uh, clearly, and this has been going on since on the 70s. People's lives. I lived in Jordan as 30 years. Uh, citizens, Beirut, but also as years. Christians in some cases. In the 1970s, relates to the many, one Christian, not many, but some Christian friends of ours. What I mean by political stresses is lack of immigrating. Usually the Canada, States, Australia, um, the US. And, and then the third one, um, which is so this the isn't the recent in some cases, you're getting distinct threats um, against the main Christians uh, because the drivers of this process of minorities in some shrink particularly uh, Christian uh, population and the Arab uh, chaotic populations in the Arab countries. Uh, like it's Syria, three basic like factors. Iraq, uh, economics, first of all, you may see the finding Egypt, it difficult uh, to a little make a decent living in this area. These threats and pressures are kidnapping for your uh, kids in the future. Bombing churches. Uh, the second one very is small number uh, of incidents. Uh, by the, way. the political uh, stresses of the number of incidents on people's lives that um, have been as perpetrated as against Christians, but also as Christians some cases, the same in proportion to the, the population as the number which of people is, uh, the bomb uh, abortion. What I mean by political stress is lack of free population. So we're not talking about all the Christians and running the third one, which is related to that is in some cases, because they're targeted as Christians by some fanatic Christians, Muslims, Jews, Salafi, Takfiri, minorities, uh, particularly, uh, these uh, become exaggerated, uh, particularly chaotic and violent uh, in, in the Western media, uh, like some Syria, like circles, Iraq, who, uh, especially here uh, in the United States, we have extremist right wing little groups that and specialize these, in focusing these threats and pressures of kidnapping countries. Uh, bombing churches, churches whatever. Uh, very so small, there are problems. People are kidnapped, there are probably a number of incidents. Uh, and this has been done by a range of against Christians, uh, the bombings in churches, for about instance, in Egypt, the same in many portions of many Egyptians, the number of indirectly orchestrated bombings in the to the total population. So we're not talking about all the Christians running around being scared and kidnapped from brother But because they're targeted as Christians by some fanatic Muslims, usually Salafi, Takfiri. So there's a whole range of accusations about who is actually these become exaggerated, particularly terrorizing or threatening. 
in the Western and some Christians here and there, there but it's important to keep this in its proper, especially uh, here in the United States. And then the fourth right uh, thread, I believe, is a little specialized in focusing on the which is Christians Christian uh, circling the wagons and, and turning uh, into themselves. And just saying, please, so there are proper church bell and people are kidnapped. There are some church school, church school for my kids, and this is all I'm going to bring along. from the process, many people into a much smaller and therefore much more vulnerable and other people and therefore seen by the majority of society as a little bit more alien types of the group in society that is not in fact playing its role uh, in states of any transformation. So there's a whole range of accusations about who is actually... It's also a problem, this isn't only a Christian problem, this is part of some wider trend but it's important to keep this in its polarization proportion. And then the fourth thread, which is Christians circling the wagons and turning into themselves and just saying, look, please let me just bring my church Any group of people is being accentuated as a group that is not, and that's all Sunni, Muslim, Iran, and other Christians retreating from the process of most nation building and citizenship. If you're not Sunni, Muslim, Arab, a much smaller, or something else, therefore much something else, Shiite, and therefore seen by the majority of society as a little bit more alien minority society, that is not polarization playing its role. Uh, taken in place of has been transformation really since the civil war in Russia. It's also a problem. Iraq uh, this isn't only a Christian problem. We, this is part of a wider trend of sectarian the polarization. Uh, and you see it all around the region with Sunnis and Shiites and Blairs and Alawites. Create zones of chaos where these groups are taking root and start any deliberately provoking Shia is being accentuated as a group that is not. Sunni, Muslim, Arab, which is the majority. The third point I would make, oh, but, but in, in relation to that, well, if you're not Sunni, Muslim, Arab, Christian life, then you're something else. If you're something else, you're Shiite, Druze, you're Kurd, you're Armenian, or this, or that, tolerance, you're acceptance, you're some minority. Uh, and this polarization, uh, you look at Christians at place, it has been taking place level. really since In the most cases, war, they're living in relatively mixed communities. In some areas, Iraq have distinct Christian villages, the actual Americanization of Iraq. But in most cases, Christians are living very peacefully, very happily with Bowie and these guys in Iraq who were able to distinguish the majority of Tony Blair and the Rice and Dick Cheney. So at the local level, there is where these members take amounts to start political existence, tolerance, pluralism, collaboration, collaboration, solidarity, whatever you want to call it. When you get to the national political level, the third point I would make in relation to that extremist ideological frenzy, Christian life at the community level is vital. The third point I'd make is the core issue of tolerance, Christians, is not that they're Christians, is that their citizenship rights are denied. And it's the exact same problem that affects all community level. In so I would argue that we should look at Christians not through the lens of Christianity, some areas primarily, but primarily through the lens of citizenship. But in most and cases, all other minorities, in fact, all majorities, and they are Muslims, are denied their fundamental human rights as equal citizens. So in societies governed by the rule of law, 
to uh, an equal opportunity. Of this doesn't exist anywhere. Tolerance, really pluralism, collaboration, uh, and therefore the question that whatever you want we should uh, explore. When you get to the national political level, we're going to look at Christians and because there are uh, you get into the that should be extremist uh, ideological frenzy for various and, reasons. And we should do so through the, the wider. The third point I'd make is the citizenship issue: pluralism, tolerance for Christians is not that they're keeping in mind is that their citizenship rights are denied. And it's the exact the same danger of overemphasizing the Christianity. Of so I would argue that we should uh, make some actions not through the lens of Christianity. Uh, and I think what we need to do is primarily through the lens of citizens and others altogether. All of the minorities, in fact, all majorities in the Arab world, are denied their fundamental human rights as Christians and citizens in societies governed by the Arab world in a public political and equal opportunity. This doesn't exist any reinvigorated state building and nation building. And therefore, the question that what is happening now is the Arab world. If we then look at some countries, because there are a distinct minority that should be optimistic, like Tunisia, looked at for various reasons, is so through the wider lens of citizenship, pluralism, heroic tolerance. Arab citizens, keeping in mind that we're now uh, experiencing the first the real danger of overemphasizing the Christianity of self-determination makes uh, actually in the citizens. Uh, and I think what countries. we need to do the is first to explore time ever, Christians and not just and others altogether in the last to look years, at opportunities, not just since the Arab awakening uh, of promote and the vital engagement. Uh, of Christians in Arab history, we've never had constitution in the Arab world written public political process. And verified uh, by the reinvigorated state building and nations. So is a small elite and a foreign What is happening now is across the Arab world in various stages. Some of them are local warlords, the others are other local warlords, creates a Tunisian country or a is this, 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 this historic? Um, this is something that is an amazing, heroic opportunity of our responsibility for Christians, Christians and all others. We're now experiencing the first in this real possibility of state configuration, self-determination, anchored in the first time ever of the emperor's history. The first time ever, years, not just in life in this region, in the last twenty years, the first time ever, not just since of citizen-based awakening, national self-determination. That's the optimistic view. It may happen. Never in our history. We've never had Tunisia, Constitution, Libya, written Egypt. There's various signs, some are verified by the citizens of these. And that's where I think there's always a small elite of foreign power, some colonel who takes over from some other colonel, some local warlord who stops their work, local warlords creates a country or some kind of sovereign area. This is something that is an amazing. Uh, well, let me first and responsibility uh, for Christians and, and all others in the region to get involved in this process of self-determination, state configuration, and what is ultimately the first time ever, wonderful years I here, ever in history, struggled with England. The first time ever here I met my process of citizen-based national self-determination. That's the optimistic university. It may happen. It may not happen. If you look at I Tunisia, more and more you look at Libya, you look at Egypt, there's and various signs, some of them are to stay in the United States, States when I came back. And, and that's where I think we should... It's a confession. I was here in 1972. Well, most of you were born. Uh, 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 I never thought uh, I'd stay so here. Stop here I am now. To turn it over to my colleagues. 2014. Thank you. Still struggling. But this place means a lot to me. Well, let me first... Thank uh, Brian this morning, and Father Ellis for uh, once beautiful inviting this lost uh, soul uh, back to Villanova. More attractive. I so spent some wonderful years here. Uh, Thanks again. Was my first window uh, in the United States. Here I struggled with English. 
Here I met my wife. Bad and times have visited the Christian this great and other minorities in the University Middle East before. Uh, they struggled more and more fascinated since the United States. The beginning of and the church in I never planned to stay in Antioch the United States when I came back in, in Turkey. And Antioch, it's a confession. I was here in 1972, before most of you were born. Uh, I never thought I'll stay here. But what makes the current now. situation 2014 tragic and truly historic and still struggling. heartbreaking. And, uh, but this place means a lot to uh, me. And, it uh, is taking I place. Was, I was uh, moved this morning to see this in a large, swath once beautiful campus. Throughout the Middle East, I should uh, say, more mostly and more attractive. Three critical so places. Congratulations, Egypt, Syria, and, and thanks and again. Iraq. Uh, let's be frank about this. There has always been bad times have visited the Christians and other minorities in the Middle East. They struggle for practice today from Iran, beginning of the church in what is today so it's not Antioch. Only in, we should talk in, about it in the Turkey, context of the Arab Antioch, Arab historically. But in the, in the context of the Syrian city, historic um, discriminatory practices makes the current situation and Jews and other minorities tragic and truly historic. And usually the state is one of the accomplices that uh, it is taking place. Uh, we see acts of violence in a large swath of Arab land throughout the Middle East. By radical groups, but mostly in before the three critical places. I can give you many examples Egypt, in the case Syria, of Egypt. And, 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 and the reason Iran. I talk about Egypt is that Egypt is a friendly country to the United States. Let's be Egypt frank about this. Your tax money has always been discriminatory and during the long ossified in the Middle East. They are still reactionary rule today Hosni Mubarak, our man in Egypt for three decades. So it's not many only acts of violence should talk about against the context of the Arab uprising. But in the, uh, in the context of there was a, an historic incident in the discriminatory the practices in southern Egypt. Christians and Jews. 23 and or 24 cops were killed. By local Usually the state for is one of the accomplices. reasons. But that's not the issue. When the issue was the, uh, we see the complicity of, of the state with these Christians. Christians. The state never conducted radical this serious investigation before the uprisings. And nobody I give you was many punished. examples in the case of Egypt. <clears throat> and the reason I talk about Egypt, so is Egypt is a friendly country. The United States. Uh, and, Egypt and, receives and your tax money in my so Under Mubarak, the, the cops did not fare well. And during the long, under the scaffold, the military who took over, reactionary rule, of they committed Mubarak, one of the most heinous crimes against the Coptic community. Many acts of violence occurred against the Coptic community. Then the MB came to power, Christian Brotherhood. And there was a, an and the discrimination continued. Village of Kushah and Southern Now Egypt. it's less so than before. 23 or 24 on the Cops day that followed by local the overthrow of Mursi government. Nefarious reasons. But 42 churches the were was torched the, and burned throughout the complicity of the state with these people. The state Orthodox never conducted a serious Catholic investigation. Others. And nobody In hundreds punished. of places owned mm -hmm. by the churches, so, orphanages, hospitals, uh, and, clinics, and the, uh, schools. So under Mubarak, the, the cops. This was the around. worst attack under on the, the scaf rule, the military who took since over. after Mubarak. An infamous they committed one of the most heinous crimes the during the Mamluk era so in medieval massacre. massacre. Then the MB came to power, Muslim Brotherhood. Isolated incidents. And the discrimination continued. And this is in Egypt. Now it's less so than before. The country that I grew up in Lebanon. On the my day that followed, more liberal and more open and less violent. Forty-two no, churches an, uh, were torched and burned throughout Egypt. Diplomats who used to say, 
We, Egypt, Orthodox, are the only country in the Arab world Catholic, that has all the attributes others. of nationhood. In hundreds, the rest of the Arabs of places are a bunch of tribes with flags, the churches, orphanages, and there is some truth to that. I mean, Egypt is Egypt. Schools, so, if these things are taking place in Egypt, this was you know, the worst attack. But I, you know, I, I, I wanted to put that in context that since <coughs> this, uh, there is an infamous yeah. pogrom that took yeah. place against them Along during history, the Mamluk era yes, in medieval times, yeah. Christian communities in the region. So, we're not talking about uh, isolated. The invasion of Iraq was catastrophic for the Christian community. And this is in Egypt, is in Iraq. It was a country that I grew up in Lebanon. It really precipitated admiring it because it was that more liberal consumed Iraq and, and, and dragged Iraq into a civil war in 2005. Well, there was an, uh, seven, an interesting eight. Egyptian diplomat in this context. The growing Egypt tension are the only violence. country in the Arab world that has all the attributes of nation out. Sectarian violence. The rest of the Arabs with the Christian a bunch of tribes with flags in Iraq were caught in the middle. And there is some truth into that. I mean, and again, is Egypt. Their bishops. So if these things are taking place in Egypt, kill, you know, we don't want to talk about churches were torched. But I, you know, I, I, I wanted to put that in context. In the end, <coughs> one of the Christian uh, communities in the Middle East is uh, literally disappearing. A long history of discrimination against against the. Uh, from a million plus Christians today, uh, we have less than The invasion of Iraq was catastrophic. And this is in the Spanish community and other communities in Iraq. It was what catastrophic. Makes, it makes me very angry about it this. It really precipitated nobody in Washington owned it. the violence nobody in Washington consumed Iraq anything and about and dragged Iraq into a civil war in 2005, 6, when, 7, when people talk to the Syrian Christians. And it was in this context, uh, the growing tension we can, we can and violence about the future and all that between the Sunnis and the Shia, sectarian violence, the presence of where the Christians and men and women from the American armed forces were caught in the middle. These, and again, calamities were their bishops the were not only kidnapped, and, and nobody could stop. And their churches were torched. And uh, now we come to the end. End. One of the oldest Christian communities in the Middle East is literally. One should look at the violence now against Christian communities uh, that are from taking a place in million plus in Christians. Most today we have less than 200,000. Uh, in the context of, you know, two and this is in the span uh, of one decade, uh, current. And what makes it one makes very angry deteriorating is that nobody in Washington was owned it. Nobody in Washington. And, and the other anything one is, about it. again, this in, is a in the tragedy development when, we, when the, people talk the, to the Syrian Christian in the last 500 years. Sectarianism has always shown about the future uh, and all that. They point out to a, a fact that in, 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 in the presence in, in, of hundreds of thousand men and women from the American uh, Armed Forces, throughout history, these uh, Shia communities calamities were have groups that evolved nothing, from, and, and from Shia Twelvers, uh, were marginalized. Now we come to the and, uprising and, uh, and, and felt the, the discrimination uh, against One should look at the violence now against Christian communities uh, in, uh, in, in are taking place in places like Syria um, and Iraq. But, most but what Syria, is taking place today uh, in the context of you know, unprecedented. Uh, in the past, we had tension between the Shia and the Sunnis. One day, we have unspeakable violence in those violence. And it is not an exaggeration to say. And, and if you look and the other one, the map, we don't have a map again, this is at least unprecedented. You can talk about a continuum front Sectarian has always been Syria uh, to Lebanon of fact in, 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 in Muslim governance. I would argue, and I've been arguing, uh, that the war in Iraq and the war in Syria uh, had morphed into one of the groups that evolved from, from Shia. There's a nasty new group called uh, ISIS, where marginalized the Islamic State and, and, and in Iraq and, and the Levant, and felt the, uh, that is fighting in both countries against them by the ruling Sunni elites. And uh, so in, what is taking place now in terms of the Sunni Shia violence, but what is taking is place truly unprecedented is truly we've never seen unprecedented anything like it in modern times. 
in the past we had tension between the Shias and again in the middle today we have unspeakable violence and, and it is not and, an exaggeration and, uh, to say that ISIS, if you imagine the map we don't have a map here of the Middle East uh, Islamic groups you can in, talk about uh, in, uh, in Syria uh, have been a continuum front in the name of jihad against, uh, to Syria to Lebanon the regime of Bashar of sectarian bloodletting are, uh, I would argue, and I've been arguing, that the war in Iraq committing and the war in Syria have morphed into one. Communities. Now, I want to hasten and say quickly, there is a nasty new group called The regime ISIS. in Damascus, this is the Islamic State, has diabolically used sectarianism. That is fighting in both countries. itself in government for, for more than 40 years. And so what is taking place and now in terms uh, of Sunni Shia violence is now, truly claims publicly that it is a sectarian regime. never seen anything like Saddam Hussein claimed publicly, and he was lying to his through his and again, in the middle, the and he Christian communities are called. that he was secular. And, and None of these regimes, uh, even when they ISIS were talking about other, other Arab nationalism, uh, uh, they were essentially and sectarian and regimes in Syria. Uh, Saddam's rule was based on the Shia, on the Sunni minority, in the name of jihad, against, and uh, in, in Syria, the, the core of the current regime uh, is the Alawi core. Our, uh, the Alawis are an offshoot of Shia Islam. They are committing incredible, incredible violence against Christian communities. Now, and I want to hasten uh, and say quickly, the leaders of all the security agencies, the regime in Damascus, the Alawis, has diabolically and, uh, used sectarianism. The venom that you see on the part of many for Sunni for Islamist years. radical groups is because and, of uh, uh, the nature of the regime too. So both the regime claims publicly that it is a secular, secular regime. All over the world, actually, not only publicly, and he was lying to his far away None of these regimes, even when they were talking about now for the Arab nationalist jihad, they were essentially sectarian regimes. The Soviet occupation. Saddam's rule was based on the Shia, and you've seen some really unspeakable acts of violence in Syria. Sectarian core of the current regime is the Alawi core. Um, the Alawis are kidnapping an offshoot of Shia Islamists, burning churches, executing uh, and kidnapping uh, and uh, uh, priests. The leaders of all the security agencies now, know that they are all... Uh, now, I agree uh, with Rami that and, uh, the issue for that's why is not to the venom that struggle you see on the part of Christian rights Sunni or Islamist right radical groups on the, is because of uh, the nature uh, of the regime too. Act like so both the regime and these new I think they should struggle who come uh, from all over the world. Their struggle should be in the context the of the overall struggle with Palestine and Chechnya and all that. Human rights or civil rights jihad now. Rights Syria is is the is rights the, of citizens. the magnet now for the jihad. Just, uh, jihad just as under new modern constitution occupation. civil states. And, uh, um, and we've seen some no really longer sufficient to say Islam is tolerant. Sectarian violence. And actually one violence should give Islam credit. That um, in ancient times, medieval times, uh, nuns were burning churches, empires, executing. Uh, they treated the Jews and the Christians uh, better than, uh, let's say, priests. the Jews were treated in, you know, uh, my, my core uh, in with, Spain with before Rami the Rami that uh, the issue for the Christians uh, is uh, not to. We're not living in a middle system. Rights or for their um, right to worship. Uh, the issue is not to protect the minorities uh, uh, or to uh, act like a I minority. never looked at myself as part of a minority. I think they should struggle. Uh, uh, I, their I, struggle I, should be I resented when people say overall struggle uh, for we tolerate the Christian human rights. I don't need for tolerance. Civil rights, I don't for want tolerance. Rights, I don't want protection. For rights of citizenship. I want the protection of a modern uh, day uh, constitution under new modern constitution that protects me as a member of the society, as a citizen with full rights. It's no longer sufficient to say that protects. 
Islam is tolerant. Yes. The citizen Actually, one you know, religious Islam president, ethnic identification, in ancient times or in medieval times, times when Muslims were powerful, this, this is empires. where the struggle should they be. They treated the Jews and the Christians so, uh, better than. Uh, Let's That's why I find myself struggling in, you know, to explain my, my co-religion uh, in how Spain, I, how we should deal with this issue. This is not, uh, should not uh, be approached as... We're not living in a middle system, yeah. only. Um, only. Um, uh, the issue right is to not to protect the minorities. Uh, uh, I never looked at myself as part, of the as, uh, as part and parcel uh, I, I, of the I, I resent it when people and, say, we tolerate the Christians. I don't need tolerance. There is also a Christian responsibility for what's taking place. I want the protection I think Christians in the past made the mistake of allowing themselves to protect me as either by colonial society or by the local rights, not as a subject, after the end protects me, protects the citizen, regardless of religious identification, ethnic identification, or, or gender. Uh, where they allow this, themselves this to be used by where the struggle should be. That's why I find myself struggling in Jordan, other places. to explain how... Uh, I mean, Saddam how, wanted how someone who speaks English. So he goes this to Spain, should not be approached as... Uh, obviously, the Christians were, you know, were only, educated only uh, when, when the uh, right to states were born after the colonial era. And, and many of the local approach relied on them, uh, relied on their services, relied on their skills, struggle. relied on their and contacts and with the West, relied on their education. Um, uh, but that really is also a Christian responsibility. Isolate them and help. I think um, Christians in the past made the mistake of the allowing Christians themselves to in be many cases, either by colonial powers, to resent them, or by the local leaders um, who took over after the end of formal. Uh, so now when we discuss the situation in Syria, people say well, colonial administration or mandate system will be protected by uh, regime, Where they allow themselves to be used by a regime like the one in Saddam. This is the wrong way of framing the issue Saddam or in Syria. Uh, or even in Jordan, other places. That the Pope, uh, I mean, Saddam wanted someone who speaks English, so he goes to Tari Aziz, called General Obviously, the Christians were educated when the new states were born after the colonial era. And, and, the, and many of the, the local leaders relied on pricing, relied on their services, their relied on their skills, relied on their results, exports, machination, and education. Uh, but that really helped on, but I saw parts isolate them and help. So I don't know how to um, deny it. Uh, the point is, the majority Christians, in many cases, or some cases, at least, to resent the community, the largest Christian community in the Middle East. Million so now when we discuss the situation, what he did was unworthy of that Christians are concerned and they will be protected by what the he did is unworthy of his unworthy of his position. This is the wrong way of framing the issue and looking at He it. shouldn't put himself. Uh, two days ago they were under the protection of a general who wants to be the new Nasser uh, of Egypt in an interview. That's the worst thing General C an important religious called on him to so there is again, you know, a Christian responsibility. The Christian side of the Arab uprising should look pricing critically at some of the some of these practices. Finally, foreign nations can should do. As we were discussing yesterday, President Obama made a big issue, correctly so, about how the point is. The, uh, the, the Russian government was discriminating against the gay community before the Sochi, the largest Christian community. And he raised that issue and made it an international issue. And, and what he did was unworthy of that community. What he did is unworthy of that community. I think the issue unworthy of, of the plight of the Christians and others. He shouldn't put, put himself, himself by the president. But again, not the protection of a general who speaking as a Christian issue, but as uh, another That's manifestation of what's taking place in the Middle East and what's happening to human rights in general. So, uh, I mean, if uh, people are being submitted against Russia, Russia and we raise issues about something, we raise hell as we should. We should raise hell too, but people are being killed just because finally what the United States can and should do.
And I think, uh, uh, as we were discussing yesterday, President Obama made a big issue, yeah, correctly so, money in my tax about how uh, uh, I think the, the Russian true. government was discriminating uh, against say that our age should vote the Sochi Olympic Games. should be conditioned. And he raised that if you want to come and get money from the international issue, we will help you. So again, you should respect basic human rights. Last few weeks, I think the United States can do something. I think the issue can influence the Christians. This is not a fight for the United States. It should be raised. But again, not in the strictly speaking Russia, as a Christian issue, these but as, and I think Americans, yeah, another manifestation of what's, what's taking place in media and what's happening in human rights in general, and other groups, I mean, if people uh, are being being but again, they against, should be extremely careful, and, issue about that and, and raise hell, as we should, as we should raise hell too, about people who are being killed, just talk about the Christian rights, as I said, in the context of broadening human rights, especially in those countries that get the tax money and my tax money, Egypt and others, I think the president should uh, say that our aid should be should be uh, should be conditioned, and if you want to come and get money from the IMF, uh, we will help you. But again, you should respect you know basic, basic human rights. I think the United States can do something, can 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 influence events. This is not a fight for the United States. But the United States can help uh, uh, put pressure on, on on these regimes. And I think American civil society, American NGOs, American media. American churches and other groups uh, can help, but again, they should be extremely careful and, and, and not appearing as if we are only, uh, I mean, to talk about the Christian rights, as I said, in the context of broader views. Saying that one of the problems is, is ignorance. 
profounding, maybe 2,000 years ago, back in the middle of I remember, but <laughs> no, it is known Palestine human rights that in the process of hearing the words of Jesus brought a accepting them, uh, a priest and becoming Christian, they would have disinherited uh, themselves. Um, religion reporters. Um, from, uh, in any case, it hasn't got much better. And had somebody and during the entire, as Hisham notes, during the entire FBI, they had somebody in the post. Was told the was in the Bush administration. And one reporter who warned about it. Prominent wire service. It didn't exist. Began the question by saying, it's throughout the region that exists. Describe yourself as. And now it's been discovered. And certainly by the, the folks on the far right, convictions in terms and to become part of the Islamophobic narrative. This is the Muslims. This is how they are. This is what the the, the violent, bloody Muslim goes on. That in the process of hearing the words of Jesus, accepting them, because it, it is a serious uh, problem. And in each one of the countries inherited themselves, there is a problem from um, Iraq and they might have had seven and in um, Syria. No in any doubt. case, um, it hasn't got much better. Egypt. During the entire you know, tensions that exist in Lebanon can boil over at any time and, and put Christians there at risk. It's a precarious situation. Um, and Christians in Palestine uh, religion has been disinherited. In, and now it's been discovered in many more ways than just as a result of being Christian, but also because they are Arab and Palestinian and they have lost their rights and their land and their this access to all these places. How they are. This is what the, um, the, blood, the violent, bloody. But it um, needs to be demystified. Blah, 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 it goes on. It is not unique I want to, to the Arab world or to the Muslim world. Because um, it is a serious problem, not and in each one of the particular country, uh, there is a problem from Iraq. Look, and we're, we're in the, and in the, the, the anniversary no year of the uh, beginning of the, you know, the tensions the, that exist hundred years before, we might say that Europe any time uh, underwent and put Christians um, there and in a precarious situation on the continent. And Christians in Palestine, bloody constantly imaginable, have been disinherited, not to speak of. And many more ways Jews were than just as a result of being Christian, but entire because they are Arab and Palestinian. And so I read an article in the Washington Post and access to a couple of months ago about the decline of Europe and the the but it needs to be demystified. Europe is in decline. We'll see. It is not unique to Europe. They are the world or the Muslim world and the civilization. And so as Europe goes, not unique to any particular struggle for liberty and democracy. Look, it was written by a Brit, nothing against Brits, by the anniversary of the I mean, he's writing about the great 19th century writers of Britain, the hundred years before we might say that you were the Irish underwent it. Talk to people in the Arab world, talk to people in West Africa, talk to people in bloody conflict and the subcontinent and not to speak of. And you get a very different picture of the bloody Brits, as they would call them, and their respect for the entire community devastates it. I read an article in the Washington Post, the conflicts, the conflict in Ireland, for example, or the decline of conflict between religious groups that the British brought with them in decline in West Africa, in South Africa, in India, the subcontinent, etc. civilization. So as Europe were not a function of liberty, it was a function of imperial conquest and the use of religion. It was written by a Brit, nothing against the British, for God's sake. To achieve, and he's writing about the great 19th century writers in Britain who brought us when liberty. They, 
Talk to planted a Jewish community in Palestine. Uh, talk to people in the Arab world. Talk to people better groups than, than talk the Jews to in India to help control um, the northern and part the of the continent, the Suez Canal, for our. And you get a very different picture of they saw the bloody Brits that they would call them and their respect um, for liberty and, and democracy. And so, it's not only not, not unique to the conflict. We get the hundred years conflict in Ireland, for example, where the engineered conflict between religious groups that the British brought with them in West Africa, in South Africa, in India, the subcontinent. That might be an exaggeration, but the point is, we're not a function of liberty. It was a function of imperial conquest, and the use of religion. The, um, the, the way the missionaries British operated with um, the indigenous people of North America control uh, way in, in each of those regions and operated when they, with, I mean, if you look at planted a Jewish community in Palestine, Mr. Words of Scratch, what better group than lynch Jews south to help control the northern part of every time you see the Suez Canal for our country? They saw everything through that lens right after service. And so, and, and they went to, not you, it was Sunday go to meet, we did their the service, and then they went out and lynched years war, lynched the conflict between Catholics um, and Protestants. As, as a, they used to say it was seen in the context of more their faith. The of These were the, the sons of Ham, the, the disgraced son of Noah, who had laughed at their father when he got drunk after the flood. saw, and therefore God punished them by way of missionaries making the slave to the indigenous people of North America, or the way. That this a little bit of clarity here and a little bit of focus and remember this of when we have societies under stress who strike out internally against others in their society. It is not unique to any particular lynching. The language they use is different. The way that they find it is different, but it is societies reacting. They went to stress. It was Sunday go to meeting. They did their service and then they went out and lynched the Lynch and so it's not a question um, of theology. It's, it's not a question of it was seen uh, in the context. Listen to what their face. Islamists will say these were the, the sons of Ham, this disgraced son of Noah, who had laughed at their father when he got drunk after the flood, and therefore God punished them by marking them and making them a slave to their brother. And we're defending the purity of our Christian A bit of clarity here, and a little bit. Don't listen to what they say. When we have societies under stress um, who strike out internally against others in sort of society, you know, it is not high on our, any particular on our, on our, on our, our current situation and say the way we have find is different, but it is they have societies reacting to swim too. And you used to say that the and you know, when, and when, so it's uh, not really mad at somebody you say, God damn it. No, it doesn't mean I'm actually saying, if you listen to what the Islamists will say about this, it means I'm mad. If you listen to what the, I mean, when I remember one time I walked to the house in the close plane saying, we are not a vulgar term. And my mother said, we're a racist group. We're a Christian. I mean, mom, what I mean is, we're defending upset at something that just our Christian heritage and race. Similarly, when people don't listen to what they say, See what they describe their feelings or their attitudes, or they tend to sort of their aspirations. It is not an expression of faith. It's usually current situation. There's a intensity of what they want or what they don't want, or how they have about something. We have a Catholic term that used to say that 
You might use it in the most evocative way. You're mad at somebody and you say, God damn it. Um, doesn't mean I'm actually saying frequently becomes religious language. So it becomes a God. It means I'm mad. God that or Jesus this. When I remember one time whatever in any other tradition. Don't look at what they say. Look at what they do. And understand that what they do is being justified by the language. It's not the other way around. The language is literally motivated. The language is the justifier. Um, to describe their feelings or their attitudes or their behavior or their aspirations. It is not an expression of the described in the Lebanon situation. It's usually an expression of their or the intensity of what they want or what they don't want. It's a conflict between about something. It's a conflict between the creature they sprinkle holy water on and between using the most evocative language they can think of or which be frequently tried religious language. So it becomes may God, or may not have different religious backgrounds or Jesus. Um, and so we'll use religion whatever in any other tradition. Or fall back on religion. I mean, to say, well, look at my tribe is better than your tribe. And one understand that what they say is being justified this way is entirely not the other way of saying it. The language is not uh, motivated. The one is far more evocative than just how I than the other. And so the, what the is taking place in this are, are not, is therefore not a religious in issue. Theological is, as Hisham theologically described in the Lebanon situation, the causes are social or political. Or the, and in most instances, what I would say is that sectarian it's conflict, when it occurs, it's a is usually or extremist movements when they occur, um, are a function uh, of family, social, or political, or dislocation, uh, and economic discourse. Uh, between tribes, this location um, creates this may or may not have different religious backgrounds. The tendency uh, towards so we'll sort of reflecting on or, or embracing or that golden path to say my tribe is better than society, one wanting to, but to say God ordains or somehow it this way, justify extreme way violence by uh, the need one is for self-purification or purification of the tribe or of the or so the cause country of this are not the. One of the examples we always use in the is the great ghost dance. The, you know, the, the causes are social pushed across the continent. And in most instances, what I would say is that sectarian conflict, when it occurs, they had gone through many of these extremist movements when they ways how can we function come Suddenly a prophet comes to them and says, well, dance the dance of the elders. If you go back to the old ways, this location creates this tendency toward bringing back the tendency toward the sort of die. reflecting on bring back or embracing a, a gold march across the continent wanting to purify the society, the coast, wanting march to march the continent and push the use or somehow uh, justify and so the Indian violence by the need to white or self purification or purification of the tribe uh, or, the, or, the, or, of the, or of the country. And it was a, it was a tragic the, moment. The one of the examples we never were going to take up arms. The natives were never going to take up arms. But it was the, 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 the loudness and it was the violence of the ritual that caused people to get The location was intense. Um, they had gone through one many of these revivals. There are many other ways how to these kinds of. Finally, a prophet comes to we would call some dances Salafi movements. If you go back to the old ways, where, where um, you know to purify the tribe, you can and to bring back, back to a golden the, era. If the only we could be the way we were. Bring back the buffalo would go away. And you'll march across the continent. Jews would go away. The occurred on the west. Whoever the Christians across the continent and push the white man. Nothing to do with theology. It has to do with this location. And so the Indians dance like that. And the white men of the cavalry saw and they got nervous. 
Uh, they went down and slaughtered. Some of the Tea Party has um, And it was a, it was a tragic the moment. Period, the Indians of the, the never were going to take up arms. The Bush Natives were never going to take up arms. But it was the, the, I mean, the loudness and it was the violence of the ritual that caused people lost 20 to 30 percent of their net wealth. That was just one instance. One in every five. There are many other examples of these kinds of unemployment doubles. We would call in some instances. Salafi movements um, or Takfiri and who were most where, where, you know, to purify the tribe largely and to reach back to a golden era, if only of we could be the way we were, then everything yeah, would go away. Americans would go away, Jews would go away, whoever, the Christians would go away. New voice that nothing in theology has to do this location in one white middle class, white male middle class woke up and saw it. Initially, there was acceptance, and then there was this sense of, of what the hell is this all about? Everything was slipping away from the Bush And it made sense to think about it. I mean, we had the blame on this foreign, strange guy. He wasn't born here. He's not like us. He's not one of us. One in every five share our values. He's not a real American Unemployment doubled. And then it morphed into more than that. He's a Muslim. And a lot and of the anti-Muslim sentiment that took place and during the large period 2009-2000, and in the context really of the anti-Obama, uh, you had an African-American uh, guy get elected president with a funny uh, name. It was a, a way of sort of out with hope, moving new the, voice the white middle class. But when if you looked at the Tea Party, that's who it was. was white, white male middle class woke up and middle aged middle class initially there was acceptance and who then felt this sense of who felt uh, threatened. What the hell is so embraced the kind of everything was slipping away from me uh, to give um, them a and sense it made of, sense of understanding and to put the blame on that they could reclaim him. as as this Mitt Romney said in strange guy our America. He's not like us, he's not one of us. He doesn't share our values. He's not America believe the beaver and white They used that and it morphed into more. And, scary Muslim. and a lot of the anti-Muslim sentiment that took place during these period range guy 2009-2010 was really an and I'm losing my status in society. And so there was this enormous a way of sort of moving if you think about white middle class that when they got the guys from the desert, that's what it was. It was white it was or the middle aged, the middle famine in Syria, the drought in Syria causing people to move threat south and so embraced a kind of an extreme sense of dislocation to give them a sense of being understanding and security and being under stress and pressure as this Mitt Romney said in 2012, for our America, our America how can I regain, reclaim the past? How can I reclaim my strength? And it was scary to them. The final issue is how do we deal with How does America people? You got his I think Ginger got all these strange guys who are not sitting on high boards on this day. And I'm losing my status in society. And so there was jobs. The enormous sense of pressure and depression. Sound familiar? People reacted. That's what we can think about it that way. Then understand that when you got the guys from the desert who walk into the cities in Riyadh, First thing or they the, say that they want the, the famine in Syria, the, the, the drought in Syria, that they want us out of Iraq, south because that urban center, the sense of dislocation, the sense of being uprooted, and healthcare and being under stress and pressure creates this. They do not want preaching. In the same way that we would not have looked kindly at the Brits, how can I regain reclaim the past? We certainly wouldn't have accepted the Swedes coming over and telling us. The final issue is how do we deal with it? How does America deal with it? Um, it would have been, I think, a foreign intrusion uh, so into our domestic debate. 
When we pull what they do want, from what you want, is help in building the structure of their society. So my, my, my answer to how should America deal with it? Yes, that's what people want everywhere. When we ask them what do you want from America to deal with violence, first thing they say is especially if it threatens Arab-Israeli problems. But we also have to speak out. They say they want us out of Iran. Clear. But then more the effective way of dealing with it. The next thing they say Obama tries to do is they want economic investment year after and healthcare and education. When he said not want to buy, we didn't start. This uprising, the same way that we would not have what looked kindly help at the Brits or the Canadians coming over to tell us how to do a healthcare system. Provide. We certainly wouldn't have accepted how Swedes coming over and telling us how to deal with building societies and help create It would have been, it is after all, as a historian, any democratic intrusion into our domestic debate. If you peel away the onion and but what they do problems that exist is help in building that's the way to help society. So, my long answer to how should the long road that ultimately we have to criticize. But for America to start dictating, of course we have to deal uh, as violence. I'm a member of a commission that threatens and deals with religious But we also have to speak out for justice and the commission and be clear. But the more effective way of dealing with it is sort of sitting there and trying and sort of preaching at other countries. They're preaching at other countries while Abu Ghraib said, the story we didn't start this uprising torture and direct this outside. What we can do is help. The point is that to have moral authority, to reclaim moral authority, you have to have it in the first system. Healthcare you have to be able to speak, help build these societies, uh, from a position of that is having all been able to make a real difference in people's lives, secure middle lives. And to peel away the onion, we may not know their history, but they know ours in many ways. Um, they know that's the way, the way to help move societies forward. It's so a long road. I would say that the long road that humility produces is always in order. But for America but to start dictating humility uh, as addressing real I'm a member of a commission in Washington that deals with religious freedom and the, the first layer of the problem that is to recreate a sense of the right wing, sort of sitting there and, and sort of preaching at other countries. And I think that preaching at other countries while Abu Ghraib is coming, we don't always. President Obama went to Cairo and gave that speech moral authority. Uh, I thought it was great that he did it, but have it in the first place. He started talking about the beheading minorities in the Middle East and uh, Christians and, and others having been able to make a said, real no, That's not what we want. We want to be equal um, citizens of our own countries. We may not know their history, but they know ours in many ways. They know send a different message. Instead, they fed right into the narrative. I would say that movement's humility. They say, yes, we'll take care of you and protect you. But more important, important than humility people. is addressing and real and problems where they are. So I think and the you know, first layer of the problems is um, to recreate the problem is real. Stability. Stability. How you address the problem is, is and different. I think that Hisham is we don't always do it right. First thing, previous administration know a little more, and see a little more clearly. President Obama went to Cairo and gave that speech there. Is not I thought it was great that he did it, but many other places around the world, he started talking about protecting minorities in the Middle East and Christians and others. Small groups said, "No, that's not what we want. We want to keep the season." America had a chance to. Send a different message. Instead, they fed right into the narrative of the Thanks, Islamic Jim. movements. Uh, um, they say, "Yes, we'll take care of you. We protect you, Patrick." And I wanted to just ask uh, and, and one question before we go about that point. Any so questions? You I think uh, you know the, 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 it's clear that the um, common threads in your presentation. The, the, the problem is um, real. Offer a diagnosis. How you would address the, the problem? Situation. Is I don't think there's much is different. I think people have proposed. And this afternoon, the reason why I'm here is to come to the panel this afternoon is to see a little more clearly. 
that diagnosis and the problem context. That exists there is no different than some of the things we touched upon in many other periods and things like this. And to look at um, the, the question I wanted to ask was centered on what can be done from the region. Jim, you just finished on what the U.S. can do. Maybe we'll get to that. You all know the region very well, and you live there. You engage in the media and. Your leaders, all of you, Thanks, in your own right. um, and all three of you paint a picture of the political topic, and, I wanted to just ask, uh, and sectarian uh, situation, the polarization that has led to a very violent period. It's only gotten worse. It's, it's clear that the common uh, threads described the Civil War of Lebanon um, spreading in some ways as this dynamic situation. And I don't think there's much throughout. Um, uh, and I think you very rightly and exactly this is all about how a state come to the panel in a social. And, and political and context. You also point to the economic factors about some of the things we touched upon. What can be done by the leaders of the region? When I talk leaders, I mean now the, the, the question I wanted to ask was centered on what can be done from the region. Jim, you just finished on what the U.S. did. Maybe we'll get to that in some way or other. What can be done by thought leaders? People who are you engage in this explosion and revolution. Your leaders, all of you, in your own right, in the last 20 years. All three of you paint a picture of the political expression. Um, sectarians that situation of polarization has led to, to a very further accelerate these only gotten worse sectarian as, uh, as opposed to the civil war of Lebanon um, spreading in some ways so uh, this dynamic yeah, I'm exposing my bias here uh, I think a lot of throughout change and I think you very rightly from all said that the society now power in the so dynamics are happening and, and political context you also that question what you know in fact what do you think could be done either by the what can be done by the leaders of the region when I talk leaders I mean not society leaders each of the governments are different because we know how do we stop this all of these governments moving towards the right further sectarian in some way or another what can be done by thought leaders people who are in the media uh, we've seen this explosion um, and revolution. I think really, there's two levels in which we have to analyze the last 20 years. The, the much media, bigger level, and which I, is I, far more complex, I think in many ways and far more difficult, but ultimately will to further accelerate the these revolutions. Is and the level of the coherence and integrity um, the so, of the state. Again, I'm exposing my bias here. I think a lot of people change most of them at the structures of statehood that we have, these dynamics are happening, that we live in. With that question, what, by you know, what do you think can be done by the government leaders or other thought leaders uh, uh, in key societies? And I know each, um, each country are different, but, but how do we stop this uh, movement towards the right further created countries? The state structure that exists today has never been validated by its own citizens. Um, and therefore, really, there's two levels of which we have to analyze corruption, violence, a much bigger level, massive abuses, far more power, complex denial, and far more difficult. Millions ultimately, it proved to be the one that brings the people. So that is the level of the coherence and ultimate solution. If you look at one of the things that's happening in the nation state, I would say the problems I believe are most at the edges of many of the countries. Structures of state, especially in the Levant, uh, uh, we live in. Whether created by retreating and European Valley powers Sudan or marauding Sudan split peacefully, bands of uh, there's discussions uh, going on by Bedouins and about whether Iraq and a state together, local people become created countries or decentralized uh, federal states. The state something. structure that exists today uh, every has never been validated by armies with borders, and therefore creates levels of borders, coherence, corruption, violence, and the massive abuses of borders. I would 
human rights to Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon have essentially become uh, people. So one that ultimately, that's and the, the single greatest uh, solution. If you look at one of the things that's happening or has been happening uh, in the last export, say, 20 years or so, is the slow frame at the edges of many of the countries. And uh, especially in the states, the states don't uh, make and, much uh, sense. Parts of the, the people region, have very little respect for the valleys. Sudan split, South Sudan split peacefully. There's discussions going on in many others. People think that uh, so the state ultimately has to make sense of the people. And that's the bigger long-term project. Every short-term has problems. You're seeing people starting now to try to define their national values, which will be the Mediterranean focused on issues of identity, on Iraq quality, Iraq, I would go further the debates that have happened in Egypt and and Especially the single Tunisia has been stunning uh, mobilizer in showing what a, uh, a decent Arab society can actually do if it's given a chance to do so. They talked about Arabism and uh, the problem is with the states. The states don't make much sense. Uh, the role of Islam and have very little state, and they've reached some reasonable compromises that still need. Well, as you know from your constitution, you can write a constitution, but you have to redo it ten years later. And so the state ultimately has to make sense to it. So 50 years, the woman, and, and that's the bigger long term. So it takes time, short term, actually put those You're constitutions seeing people starting now to try to define their national values, which will be focused on issues of identity and equality. Uh, so I think what you need is a much more honest debate that have had in Egypt and Tunisia about fundamental Especially in Tunisia, right have been stunning in showing that what a country that's a long term process do, the short term, I think so. there needs to be Arabism, clear allocation of the law in the states, but most of the states are with Islam and religion in the state, and they've reached some implicit in some of these that still needs and work, as you know, from pressures against the right of constitution. So I would argue again that I think starting at the local level is much more coherent to women in the long term. Much more the right positive. Right so it takes time than to actually put those constitutions into the action. So you can have, but uh, the process has started, and they've done that for a long time. You have ethnic leaders leading talks, but it doesn't translate um, into So I think what you need yeah, is a much more honest, public discussion. Uh, about fundamental political rights, uh, human rights. Uh, well, obviously, rights. the Arabs have to own their own countries. That's a long-term process. In the short term, uh, I think there needs to be the future, a, a clear application of the law by the state. But uh, most of these states, as we've seen in the last 20, 30 years, are complicit in some of these human rights. When I look around at the Arab world, the pressures against uh, so, so I would argue again, uh, I think starting at the local level is much more coherent. Even in those states that are provide much more positive homeland of their own people. That's trying to start at the top. So you can have religious leaders meeting and talking, and they've done that for a long time. You can have ethnic leaders meeting and talking, but that doesn't translate into changes at the at the community level. So I would start from the bottom up. When I look at the next five years, six years, ten years. I'm not, I'm not the person. Uh, well, obviously, the Arabs have to own their own solution. present and their own future and determine their own future. Uh, uh, many of the foreseeable future, I would generally use the Arab lessons because many of them, including uh, the so called secular lessons, I sound like a Cassandra, uh, uh, turned out to be in doom. But when I look around liberal. at the Arab world, when I look at the not liberal, the class of the so called uh, uh, political classes uh, uh, that are running 
support Arab states, even in those states that are what happened in Egypt was as the final homeland of their own people. It's true that the rule of the one-year rule of the was catastrophic. But what happened? Democracy and some of the government people who took to the streets, even in the best of foreign power, for freedom, supporting a military. When I look at the violence against people, we wish to make jokes about these lousy Syrian armies, the Iraqi army, and other armies. I will show the, you know, many of those people who took to the streets in January. Ferocity, uh, killing their own people in their own streets, not fighting, not fighting to defend their own people, defend their homeland. Uh, we we never thought that the Egyptian army would shoot at people in the streets. Not liberal. And they did it. Not liberal. Hundreds of people were moved. So-called Tamarud grew in many of those supporters who demonstrated coup early on. What happened in Egypt was a coup against the Mubarak regime. Supported it's true that the rule of the one-year rule of the so we need all, all of us, but what happened, Islamists you know, and others, when people need political action, asking for power, for rethink some of supporting our supporting military violent to engage in introspection. We wish to make to do some jokes about the lousy Syrian army and the Iraqi army and other armies like to do it here too. Who showed their I didn't see you know, introspection after the Ferocity, killing their own people in their own streets, not fighting, not fighting to defend the home. One of the biggest voices in the world. We never thought that the Egyptian army would shoot people. Was the voice of the Arab intellectuals? Most of them are either wanted people who are silent or intimidated or go with the flow. And many of those people who the worst culprit is the Egyptian media. Many of the worst culprits are people who belong to my profession and the media, supported the putsch, if you will. So we need those who all of us singing the praise for Islamists. Others, those who sang the praise for Ashkaf, the military rule there, to rethink you know, some of our assumptions. Praises for the uh, Muslim engage in, and in now they are lionizing through some self criticism. I know most people don't like to do that, and most of and and we don't like to do it here. We want the United States to see introspection. We want to drag the United States into our little fight. I am not seeing this to do something or suggest something. One of the biggest voices that were absent in the Arab uprising was the voice of the Arab intellectuals. Most of them are either the imperial era, the colonial era, and the 50, 60, 70 years ago. India and Pakistan were born at the same moment. How come many of the worst culprits are people who belong to my profession? And Pakistan is not. Egypt, essentially, as a modern state, was born at the same time. Those who were singing the praise for the 1960s. GDP in Egypt was equal to GDP in South Korea. Praises for the South Korea. Muslim Brotherhood. Look what South now Korea they are lionizing Egypt. Egypt. And what do you see today in Egypt? Hyper-nationalism. I mean, uh, that borders on shore. We want the United States to get involved in our affairs. We want to we drag the United States into our little fights. We want the United States to tell us to do something. They need aid. Something. Oh, it's a grumbling society. It's a dying society. And you don't find any Egyptian who had enough guts. The imperial era, intellectual integrity, ended 50, 60, 70 years ago. But it's easy to dump it on India and Pakistan. It's easy to dump it on the moment. It's easy to dump it on the democratic state with all the problems. And Pakistan is not. Egypt essentially the state was born at the same time. But there is no In the early 1960s, GDP in Egypt is equal to GDP in South Korea. 40 years ago, the Egyptian army crossed the Suez Canal to liberate Sana from the Israelis. Look at South Korea today. And look at 40 years later, the Egyptian army is still fighting inside. What do you see today in Egypt? Fighting Egyptians. That borders on chauvinism, Islamist radical movement. We don't need the Americans. We don't need this. They need the Americans.
Egypt is a poverty state, and the Egyptians it's are responsible for it, society. and nobody talks about this. It's a dying society, and you don't find any Egyptian who had enough to them is broken up. I'm happy for integrity to talk about this. If the Kurds want to go their own but separate way, I'm with them. It's easy to dump it on it's the self-determination. It's easy to dump it on the And if some of these states were, were made by colonial powers and they were sa lines in the sands, well, I mean, books deal with it about this. But there is no soul searching. If I'm a Kurd in Iraq, I would seek self-determination. I don't want to live with the Arabs. Years ago, the Egyptian army crossed the Suez Canal to liberate China from the Israelis. I mean, the Egyptian the army is still fighting in China. I think Egyptian. Yes, there are issues of identity. Of, Islamist radical of, movement. Uh, I mean, you take Algeria. I mean, the whole issue in Algeria is still the issue of identity. Are we Arabs? Are we Egypt Africans? is a popular state, Muslims? and are the Egyptians are responsible for it. Nobody talks. What the hell are we? Sudan is broken up. I'm happy for it. go through the transition. If the Kurds want to go their own separate way, I'm with them. The leader at one time. I mean, they had it's self-determination. And if some of these states were were made by colonial powers and they were sent lines in the sands, well, deal with it. 17 years before the United States. If I'm a Kurd in Iraq, I would strong self-determination. I don't want to live with the Arab polygamy. And I'm an Arab. I want to send women to school, whether you like it or not. One of the reasons why I'm doing this whole thing, doing well today, relatively well today, is because of my identity. Uh, in 1957, are we Arabs? Are we Africans? Are we Muslims? Are we Mediterranean? Are we Amazir? What the hell are we? But you don't see Tunisians, you know, beating their chest and complaining about the West. Tunis may do, may may may, may go through the transition, but many Why? Arabs wallow in victimhood, and they love to wallow in victimhood. I mean, they had, you know, Tunis had a long. And they rarely engage in self 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 Tunis by the way. In the year 1846. And I say this as our, my, my people should do that in the second of the United States. But also the Islamists should do that. And we should be There's honest strong president of political Islam. I have a jaundiced view of political Islam. I want to send women to school, whether you like it or not. I have a jaundiced view of anybody who wants to drag One of the reasons why Tunis is doing today. I'm not naive. Have, I know that people do it all the time, even in the West, because of women's education. But I want to look at the Islam then you have a problem with two people in society. You have a problem with women? And you have a problem with non-Muslim groups. So when we you talk about free citizens' rights, you have to live with this. The West. And they need to be challenged intellectually. I don't want to beat them up and kill them in the streets. As, as many Arabs who wallow in victimhood and they love but When these people tell me Islam is al-hal, Islam is the solution, and I don't really engage in self self and There's no such thing. And I say more than solution. My people should be proud. I mean, the secularists. And we should not beat around. Also, the Islamists should do that. And there are many people in this country, many politicians, political Islamists. I have a job. You keep telling us the best thing that happened ever happened to the Arab world are the Muslim movements there. I have no religious view of anybody who wants to do anything that happened politics. And I'm not naive enough. I know that people do it all the time. And we be honest about this. But I want to look at the Islamists and say to them, you have a problem with two people in society. You have a problem with women. And you have a problem with non-Muslim groups. An example of, of so when we talk about full citizens' rights, you have to live with this. It is and they need to be challenged intellectually. I don't want to beat them up and kill them in the streets as the Egyptian government is doing. But when these people tell me Islam is al-hal, Islam is the solution, I don't believe it. And there is no such thing. There are more than solutions to these modern complex problems. And we should not beat around the bush. And there are many people in this country, we made a cottage industry, I talked about this yesterday, who keep telling us that the best thing that happened, ever happened to the Arab world are the Muslim movements there. No, they didn't. This is one of the worst things that happened to us. 
it is it has unleashed a, a and we should be honest about very this. real um, and even in Egypt uh, there's no so going back just uh, I understand you know, the hysteria you just heard it's just an example I find it disturbing perspective it is happening to roll their eyes back and forth you are playing a role in waxing poetic about the, the general um, but and, and the last thing I'll add is that I am John's numbers are just slightly higher than the previous president Morsi's numbers. And the I numbers do not look at this have not uprising as tragic and as grotesque. As if you asked the question back in May of 2013, something that what's the best outcome is 90-some percent of national dialogue and negotiation, a dynamic, and it is very, when you asked about what about the military and being in Egypt, 56% opposed. There's no going back. In uh, August, I understand the same hysteria. Ask the same question. It's, I find it disturbing. People who I respect the national reconciliation um, and 50 some roll their eyes back in their heads. Military military you know, when we poll went again the months general. after the military but took over and said, the last poll about the military takeover, 50 some percent opposed. The general's numbers are and just slightly higher than the 80 plus percent, 80 high 80 percent said the national reconciliation not all the groups dropped. Significantly, uh, so um, I mean, I think it's really question astounding of it with 2000. The media hysteria and what's the sense that is, you know, occur, uh, you know, the, the idea that Egyptians just rolled with this again is not. Look, I was in the Democratic, I'm on the Democratic National Committee. I'm the chairman of the Resolutions Committee, and in 2003, I tried to introduce the resolution before the Iraq War to oppose the Iraq War, and guess what? And I was told by the chairman of the time, 50 something percent of Virginia, Virginia military. You can't do that. We stand shoulder to shoulder with the president. We don't want to the military took over. He and I, he said, military. And finally, after a big war, we had this enormous debate. I was allowed to speak for the resolution. And he had a standing ovation for reconciliation. But I was not allowed to have a vote on it. So, I, because we I didn't, want I think it's really so quite hardy, astounding approaching elections. With, I mean, with media hysteria. It's like in, in, a, in the context of, you know, the stress the idea that people reactions just rolled with this. We did. It took us a while to catch up. I mean, the Democratic machine sort of broke the ice. The chairman of the resolution from Howard Dean to 2003. I tried to introduce the resolution before the water movement in the Senate to deal with it. And I was opposed it by the chairman. It took us a long time. And I was we still haven't dealt with it. You can't do that. We stand shoulder to shoulder with our president. And we don't give the Egyptians the. And I the same break that I'll give us. Finally, after a big war, for what they did, but I was allowed to speak for this. In a situation, but I was not allowed to vote on it. I think we did People like the Shalmari party, as we were critical to the future of. Free it's like the in, in the context of as well. Stress is the respect And we did. It took us a while to catch up. Perspective. Howard Dean and writers broke the ice. We have a platform from Howard Dean uh, in the media. Is uh, I think a little bit uh, you know a broader environment in the Senate. The, the reality of what you do every day. The life that a president will post. And what others like you are doing. It took against great odds. We still haven't dealt with Iraq and the consequences. It ain't perfect. So I'm going to give the Egyptians, Rami noted, about the same break that I'll give us. I mean, I'm, 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 I'll condemn them for what they did, but I'll say, you know, Virginia is really no different than what we did in a situation of 86 to 70 in And so 
hell of a lot more people could have voted, I'm sure. I, I think people but like you shouldn't vote in couldn't vote. And critical to the future of the airport. And clearly, took us four years two centuries to get to say that there's no perspective when we've got two million periods going back. The great interstate progress and writers who have a platform in the media stories is, I think, a little bit unfair to the reality of what you do every day. Both of you, energy, and what others like you are doing against great odds in that society. So um, that we'll find a way to break free. It ain't perfect. Do great things um, yet again. But the Rami noted. No, I, I uh, think. Yeah. Just before I passed it. Yeah. Yeah. Got voted yeah. out of the state of Virginia. Uh, I, I need to leave in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Just one, one last comment. I think one of the critical things that's going on in the region is that we have women couldn't vote. players in society. Most of the rules to be camouflaged under the table are now out of control. We're still not starting. We're still not going back. But I think Egypt made progress, and it's continuing to make progress. And those who wanted to deny that progress, but the story is not written yet. And I think that they may have taken steps backwards. The army is not out in public. Energy and self-confidence among some in that society that will finally be break free. Muslim brothers. Uh, 
uh, are things that I think cannot be We're both in the bottom. same boat. Uh, so but now, what, no, I, what I, mean, um, Marwan, I don't know if we have any mics to offer to the audience, but if not, Marwan's going to question. I wanted to, I had some more questions. still about 20 minutes about the century, and so you've had your co-parents invitation to help the treaty room. But Marwan is going to say a few words of thanks to Rami, and we'll continue the discussion. As you know, a tragedy happened in Bill Arrows, just about as bad as what's happened in the Middle East with NCAA. Um, Rami also shared this. Rami's a Syracuse fan, so I was hoping today, <laughs> they didn't do well either. Uh, I was hoping today to get this to Rami and, and uh, uh, laugh at him, but we're both in the same boat. So Rami, <laughs> March Madness. Um, Marwan, I don't know if we have any mics down. Uh, in the audience, but if not, I'll just repeat the question. I wanted to, I had a few more questions, but I want to open it up. And Trudy, I know uh, you, you had your hand there, patient me out the Trudy room.
Well, the gist of uh, to this question is whether only a dictator can uh, reform society and uh, protect the rights of citizens, including the minorities. Uh, I mean, Tudor said a lot, and I, I agree with, with, with some, and I ask you know, my questions about uh, some of the assumptions. Burkiba was not your run-of-the-mill dictator. Burkiba did not kill people in the streets. Burkiba was a strong man. Burkiba had the legitimacy of the struggle against the French colonialists. And uh, he had a strong personality. But you cannot say that Burkiba was like Saddam Hussein or Hafez al-Assad or Muammar al-Gaddafi. So we have to, you know, I think Burkiba may be the well, the gist of uh, enlightened this question is whether enlightened only a dictator can enlighten reform society, patriarch, if you will, protect the rights of citizens. Unfortunately, what we had in the Arab East was, you know, venality. And I mean, truly said a lot, and I agree with when they some, and I asked Hussein, who literally waged a war, some genocide against the Kurds. Burkiba was not your run-of-the-mill dictator. We know what Burkiba did not kill people in the streets. Burkiba was a strong man. Alvarez, Burkiba, had the legitimacy of the struggle against the French colonialists. I mean, as a liberal, and, uh, I cannot strong fathom the idea, but you cannot say that you know, Burkiba was like enlightened dictator. I don't know now. We have to. But this, by the way, was raised by Burkiba in social science and historians when they were talking about enlightened strong man or enlightened man or even Pinochet, enlightened and and in South Africa, when you had military leaders who, unfortunately, maintained law and order, allowed the economy to flourish, and then gradually allowed the middle class to literally wage economic genocide to 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 participate and to partake in the political process. We know what it happened before. I don't know if it could happen in the Alvarez, but you're right. Tunisia I mean, as a liberal, also a dictator. And like the media was less But this, by the way, was raised by people. The curses of the Arabs in the East are talking about what I said, and this is best or even keep the shield under the end. And so South Korea was military leaders who controlled, you know, maintained law and order. And allowed Egypt, Egypt and the economy and then gradually allowed the For 60 years, since the fall of the economic Egypt is you know, prosperity to participate in the process of the political process. Egyptian military it happened before the economy. It could happen in the Arab You can never have your right to Egypt or Egypt without depriving the Egyptian military from some successful slice of the population. Economy that they can also. But you don't have a debate about that. Nobody dares to talk about that in Egypt. This is not America's problem. The curse is not the Arab's problem. This is an Egyptian problem. Who, as I said, they don't discuss that. They, they they never, they, I've never seen a serious discussion because on, nobody dares raise that issue, so to speak. Whether it's Mubarak or Scaf or even worse, or not. So, and Egypt, Egypt has, I've always called Egypt. You're absolutely right. I mean, I remember for 60 years, since the fall of the first election, Egypt was mentally directed by the military. And this is what we're talking about. The Egyptian military has its own economy. Again, everybody's never had a serious economic reform.
for candidates in their own land, depriving the Egyptian military, they understood what the point slice of Egyptian economy that they control. Our but you don't have a debate about that in Egypt. Reminded me Nobody dares to talk about that in Egypt. Now, this, this is not America's problem. And the this is not the Egyptian problem. And, and, and this is an Egyptian problem. Mexico and other they don't discuss that. They yeah. never, they have I've never seen a serious discussion of this. Nobody dares. They were standing in the streets, or you know what, whether under Mubarak or Scarf, or even or no idea about organizing so, uh, politics, retail politics. The Egyptian, so, our people, are supporting the liberal Islamism, the first election, the educated, those who believe in equality with women and all that, Mubarak, they were not, they felt that we achieved the victory. We kicked the dictator out. And in everybody's names, introducing the candidates, no program, they didn't say, they didn't do anything. They understood what people wanted to establish. They were always because they were organized. Our people, because they taught the language, reminded me of my youth. We don't. Our people didn't. When the and right now, and and right now, Mexico and other places, protection of these idealists, long hair longer than yours. Demonstrating on the streets, we knew what we don't like. You know, as we had absolutely no idea about as a former Marxist, retail politics. The Egyptian, our field that we supported early on, the liberal, the secularist, is one of my favorite philosophies. The educated, those who believe in equality, women, Muslims, use it once in a while. You know, they felt that we achieved the victory. We could Ramsey has one of the best description of transition. You know, he said the crisis is not concisely the fact that they didn't say anything. The new no one is not yet. And they were always interregnant. A variety of the universe, they don't symptoms. symptoms. We don't. A variety of people didn't want symptoms appear. And they are not doing it right now. You see, in the Arab world, and in fact, now we are seeking symptoms. That, you know, and this is going to take a long time. Um, you know, it is going to take a long time. I fancy myself as a student of history. You know, as it's going to take a few years ago, I found my Marxist book that I read in college. Um, I'm, I'm fond, fond of quoting Jim Shulman Ramchi, who's one of my favorite uh, philosophers. It's, 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 I studied really philosophy here, so I might as well use it once in a while. I don't follow the little bit. Ramchi has one of the best descriptions of transition. He said, the crisis consists precisely in the fact that the world is dying. that we are having the news not born yet about the role of state citizens, about the variety of more Arab and Muslim world in the West, about gender issues, about more symptoms, you know, the role of Islam in the world. It is amazing. We haven't made serious improvements. We are still talking about the same issues. I fancy myself as a student. It is. If you have time, I would like to read it. It's just fascinating. A few years ago, I went back and read a book that I read in college. This is the Arab Thought and the Liberal Age by Albert Haram. You read it. And that's why I As I said, in the foreseeable future, Arab Thought and the Liberal Age. I expect to see more bloodletting in Iraq and in Syria and in Egypt and other places. Uh, the economic yeah, problems, problems in Egypt are, are so daunting. Believe me, few men and women in Egypt understand. Of state to the citizens. Yeah, nobody wants to talk about the Arab world and Muslim world in the West. That's, that's why the issue we talk about engaging itself. This is the role of Islam in public life. It is James right when he talks serious inroads. That is why it's daunting. I really don't see the Arab intellectuals doing it. I mean, if you have time, maybe Arab journalists do it. Fascinating. Few people do it, yeah. but it's not enough. 
really. And, and I'm saying that the Arab thought that they were Albert Haram on the West and on the Israelis. I mean, the Israelis created so much. That's why I'm saying in the foreseeable future, I'm very pessimistic. We we expect to see more bloodletting in Iraq and Syria for decades now. The economic, and I always use India as an example, are so daunting for India and Pakistan as an example. Few men and women in Egypt understand the British colonialism. And, and nobody really wants to talk about I mean, it. Jim was talking about British colonialism. Uh, that, that's why Marx I keep talking himself, about you know, engaging in self-criticism. Says positive things about British colonialism in India. I mean, Jim was Marx himself said positive things about British colonialism in India. Because it tried to break down that ossified system of Many Arab journalists doing it only certification in India. But it's British colonialism connected the whole second time to subcontinent on the railroad systems. British, British colonialism is where it's created so much. It's unified in India. British colonialism is not parliamentary India. British colonialism owning our has the respect right for decades now. And I always in India, even you know, even smart people can learn. You know, Indians are not obsessed from these experiences. And believe Indians incorporated all of these things about British colonialism and developed them. Marx, they're still struggling with it. It's not a perfect democracy, obviously. Said look at India, it goes to war with Pakistan. Marx said positive things about British colonialism goes back to the barracks. Because it tried to break down the army when it gets defeated, that's what the Arab armies do. They go, they ride the first tank to the first tank in India. British colonialism connected the whole Indian subcontinent with the railroad system. British colonialism introduced English to India, which unified India. British colonialism created parliamentary India. British colonialism taught people to respect the right of private property. I'm not preaching colonialism, but even, you know, even smart people can learn you know, from these experiences. The Indians incorporated all of these No, you're not saying that. Yeah, it's an observation, but I still struggling with It's not a perfect obviously. Uh, but look at India, it goes to war with Pakistan. The policy, and they beat the crap out of the Pakistanis. The Indian army goes back to the barracks. Not seen substantial the Pakistani army, did, when it gets defeated, does what the Arab armies do. The they go, they ride the first tank to the presidential well palace and stage a coup. These other countries as well. It's not a sustainable model for the protection yeah, of Jim has something to add. It may have worked. If, if I could just say in, in a very limited sense, but I see when I'm skeptical based on what I want to, I'm always interested in the blind sort of an work because it did this uh, broader sense of citizenship for a nation. I wonder maybe in Tunisia applied in a small sense, but that seems so sui generis that it can't be applied in any real sense distinguished movement forward. Again, I think I hope we need to go back to us and work with him. No, you're not saying that. Yeah, it's an observation, but I'm trained as a policy. And understand we take that uh, focus on observation and how they implement that into policy. And to me, when I look around the big picture, even including those Gulf countries that have not seen substantial change, and you measure it up against the demographic bubble, the social pressures, the economic pressures, which we all know very well in Egypt, but it's coming to these other countries as well. It's not a sustainable model for the protection of Christians. It may have worked in a very limited sense, but I, even I'm skeptical based on what I've learned and heard, is it didn't work because it didn't create this broader sense of citizenship or nationhood. Maybe in Tunisia it worked in a small sense, but that may be so sui generis that it can't be applied in any real sense uh, moving forward, which is, again, I think I hope uh, later on in the next few questions we can talk a little bit more about U.S. policy as well, and much of those who are staying are coming to that, uh, focus on, on that. But Elizabeth, I know you wanted to mention 
Let me bring the mic down. Public education is a space where private generations are trained there. They're taught about their own history, who's part of their own history, who's great panelists, who's great panelists. I wanted to know, so I wondered if you could say a little bit about these and ask you to comment on education or in particular, particular students and masters to make your online services on the issue more particularly. That's right. Whether it's your secular education, the law master homes, and the teacher training, textbook education, is this something that has been Christians, which is a very serious problem. Yeah. 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 Y
yeah. so they felt persecution and they left as my dead Greeks in 1923. My mom was came in the 1798, mainly because they could. The doors were closed in the early 20s. Syrian it's and marked again with the Senator creation of Israel. And so we have a Syrian asset evacuation, not only of Palestinians, but also of America, which were fell under the Asian Exclusion Act that we were locked out. But then the doors were brought before the news came in the 1960s, that current uprising in Syria anymore. And cops, and the largely, large entitlement, as I said, King Farouk Valley fifties, Nasser took over and continued again because it's left the Rockstars. There's a place to pile up behind they as they came to the close to the early the old regimes. And so other areas were counted and left settled the Greeks. But the numbers grew with actually after Mubarak fell, even though as his story was noted throughout Mubarak era, it was not comfortable. It's again, but their numbers were large enough. Creation of that internal security and mass evacuation that gave them the ability to stay in others evacuate as the much smaller Iraqi communities did the Iraq war. They stay. And the current uprising in Syria. The interesting thing today is cops largely we don't left have US numbers on, as I said, in religion. We don't do that. And continue to sign again, you know, because the, single, the second largest group of societies in the years, they came to in New Jersey and after the areas, uh, other areas were China, the community center, which has a bunch of numbers, larger population than the Muslim Brotherhood took. But we don't know where they actually after Mubarak uh, felt, even though, as they were during Mubarak's era, it was not uh, comfortable for, for cops. But the numbers were large enough, though, is that they had an internal security in the community. That gave them the ability to stage, which evacuates as this much smaller indigenous Christian population. And the UAE, they say, and um, the, I think that the, the interesting thing today is um, we don't have US numbers on religion. We don't do that in our census, but even in, and in our asylum, you know, but the, the, single, the second largest group of asylees in the last three years are Egyptian. After um, after China, which which has a much larger population to begin with, but we don't know whether they're copped or not. Uh, we assume that they are, but they've been coming, in other words, in large numbers in recent years. Um, the issue of Morocco is intriguing, as is the issue of Jordan, um, as I think also the situation in Kuwait for Christians, and which doesn't have an indigenous Christian population, and the UAE, which also doesn't have an indigenous Christian